Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bench Units podcast with me, James, and... Not James, otherwise known as me. James just gave me the finger guns to introduce myself and I wasn't ready for it. I'm Mark, by the way. You dealt with it very well. Um, where today we're going to be talking about the NBA. We've had enough of wheelchair basketball after one episode and we're back <laughs> talking about what we truly care about. People that don't matter to us. Uh, <laughs> so we thought, getting to that part of the season where some things kind of don't matter anymore, some things very much do. So Mark had the idea of trying to clarify things a bit, putting teams in tiers, and we're just going to talk about the stuff that actually still matters going towards the playoffs. So, Mark, would you like to explain the concept you came up with or your your tiers? Or... Yeah, it's um, I'm going to not insult anybody's intelligence and make it very obvious there's no rocket science behind any of this. Um, just while we're about it, you say um, we're back to talking about the real stuff. We actually had our episode with Mendel, I think, has our highest number of listens potentially for any podcast ever. Um, it's because we had a guest and guests like tell their family members to listen to it I think yeah uh, well if anyone we... if anyone came from Mendel and stayed for our our <laughs> personalities thank you yeah we um we <laughs> joked about Mendel opening us to a, a new market in the Netherlands which apparently might have happened um but yeah anyway this episode we are basically looking at this we did our 30 teams in uh, 60 minutes when we did our first episode back and that was mayhem so we're going to take a slightly more general approach here so we basically lumped teams into kind of groupings which is contenders playoff locks uh play-in teams and we're going to call them lottery teams but i think the resounding assumption is losers um yeah. that's because yeah. we are not going to talk about the draft <laughs> yeah um it might. So, we will at some point, but I think it's early. Um, so, yeah, um, we're basically just going to look at kind of general trends among these groups and kind of see what's at stake and if there's anything that kind of matters to specific teams more than others. Uh, I think we've got a couple of interesting ones, especially in the contenders area. But shall we work from the bottom up? Because I really don't fancy closing this out with the lottery teams. That's a good point. Okay, so... <laughs> Lottery teams, you've got Pelicans, Kings, Thunder, Timberwolves, Rockets, Cavaliers, Magic, and Pistons. And with the worst record in the league, we currently have the Houston Rockets, unless they won last night. I don't know uh, any scores from last night. I We're... can only assume that they didn't, on account of them having won 15 games all season. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'll take those odds. Yeah, I think um, the lottery teams were interesting. When I was drafting this list up, uh, the Pelicans were like my last cut for this, but they're, th they're three games back of even being the last spot in the play-in tournament. So I think when somebody hasn't shown you anything promising all year, it's probably safe to assume they're not going to pull it out in the final 15-ish games of the season. No, especially uh, because they're just behind the Warriors and Steph's on an absolute tear right now. Like, I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't. I think we'll be. It'll be at least another year until we get playoff Zion, which might be great, and also might not be on account of Stephen Adams being in his way all the time and Eric Bledsoe being around. It's funny that his point guard's in the way more than his center is <laughs> time. But you just can't play him at center. Is one of the things we've figured out because it's like he just can't play any sort of decent defense, and yeah. I think. At that level, like protecting the rim, although he's like big and strong and explosive, he's like six foot six and still young. And like him having all those physical tools and not being able to like anchor a defense in the NBA has kind of proven to me even more that like just young guys very rarely are good yeah. on defense. Like the only sort of guys that are great early on are like young wing defenders whose only job is like get in and stay in front of this guy. They're not really in charge of many scheme things. They're not yeah. really defending the point of attack or the rim. So they don't need to coordinate with that many other people. They're just kind of like, Hey, get in front of this guy that's your height and be stronger or quicker than him. <laughs> yeah. I think it's weird because you, it's kind of, there's a, a specific like archetype for um, wings coming in from the draft and being like defense ready. 
and it's not it's not that surprising that like Sadiq Bay is in Detroit and is already an all right defender because he looks the part. But if you move like too far up or down the spectrum of size and shape, there's like no good defensive bigs in their first two years. And then I think in the guards collection, it's like entirely Dejounte Murray and Matisse Thibault, and they've there's been no good defensive point guards that I can remember until about year five. Yeah. And but, it's like Matisse Thibel needs to be like, we talk about him all the time. Cause he's like that good. He's going to be defensive player of the year at some point, but it's like, you needed to be like Kawhi ready. Yeah. At that level. And it's funny. Cause like big men's obviously the biggest, steepest learning curve. Cause you're kind of, running everything from behind the scenes like, like you're pointing out where to, where to go and you're sending people this way and you're communicating with guys defending the ball and all these things but it's like you don't even need to be great you just need to not be terrible like we'll talk about phoenix later on obviously but like one of the biggest yeah. jumps up they had was just deandre not being an absolute idiot anymore <laughs> well to be fair to deandre Ayton, he is like a young player but he does look like he's in his early 50s so yeah do you think the coach is ever just like come on you've been here for forever how do you not get this ah sorry kid yeah i've um i've gotten the well i was gonna touch on this with phoenix but i have newfound interest in phoenix making it very deep in the playoffs because i opened a top shot pack and have like a deandre and limited edition now and i'm like i just need them to hang on to the west like till the western conference finals so it's on like national tv every day and i can sell this at a ridiculous markup um, yeah. but anyway, uh, yeah, the the lottery teams, there's not a huge amount like left in terms of wins and losses because I They're don't trying to be bad at this stage is my yeah. thing. Well, like... apart, apart from the Kings who aren't trying to be bad and uh, to the point that their attempt at trying not to be bad is playing Mo Harkless as a starter. Um, so that kind of says a lot on its own. Um, I think the, the interesting thing with the lottery teams is, I still drag myself through Pelicans games occasionally and with them and maybe a couple other guys, it's kind of fun at this point to just watch them and be like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And I think there's a handful of those guys scattered around on the various lottery teams. Najee Marshall's my guy from the Pelicans where Josh Hart's been injured and they've pulled this rookie in. And it's like, oh, this guy is probably more useful than Eric Bledsoe already. Yeah. That's that's the interesting thing about this. If I could like bring myself to like tear myself away from watching the actual good teams, like there's <laughs> probably a lot of like, oh, this guy's gonna stick around worth watching. Like, I think I should probably just try and like double up like the next time the Rockets are playing the Wolves or like the Cavs are playing the Magic. Like yeah. Yeah. Zach Lowe calls it an eat your veggies game where he's like, <laughs> I have to watch every game, every team in the league every so often. So if two of them are playing, I'll just knock them both out at once. I'm like, I really should start doing that, but it's just I don't know. The the lottery team I've watched the most, I think, is probably the Thunder on account of it being like they're having the most blatant attempt at being bad and they're still five games ahead of the Rockets. Like, <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's hilarious. It's like institutional like quality from top yeah, to like yeah. they just they're just pretty good. Like that, Lou Dort is great. Yeah, they they were they've obviously brought this guy in. Um, because Billy Donovan left and they brought in Mark Dagno, Dino, whatever, however you pronounce yeah. that. Um, and they brought him in, and he might have been the first coach who was ever on the verge of getting fired for like overachieving. <laughs> and they're they like, hey, we're gonna have to sit Shea and just tell Al Horford to go home and chill. And yeah, that they just have like organizational competence, and Alexei Pokushevsky is like the new what on earth is this guy? I yeah. I can't wrap my head around him. I, I could watch every Thunder game that he's played in and still have no idea what my opinion on him is. It's just bizarre. It's a lot of fun. He's just like tall, white European that can shoot a little bit of the, the day. Like, yeah. I, I say a little bit. <laughs> he's going to stick around. But yeah. It's just- he just doesn't look like someone who's not going to break in half in two months' time. Yeah, he he looks a bit like an alien, and he does occasional things where uh, loads of rookies make like stupid mistakes. But Poku has like an almost Javale level gaff reel already, but then he mixes it in with stuff where like 
how how is this guy done? Like he's not even played against NBA players really for more than like forty games because he played for Olympiacos's second team and then was in the G League for a good bit of this season. And he already yeah. makes passes. <laughs> like how did he do that? Yes, it's, it's bizarre. I I can't really liken him to anything, but it's it's kind of like I think we have so many preconceived notions about basketball players, but it's kind of like when you hear a band that just mix and match genres and it kind of hits your ear and you're like, I can't even make head or tail of what the layers of sound are here. This just is different to everything I've ever heard. Yeah. And I don't hear it. Yeah, that's exactly okay. that. Too much the, time the, on the lottery teams. Uh, last thing I will say about the lottery teams, if anyone cares about who is actually going to be the worst team in the league um, and potentially the number one draft pick, Watch the magic. Houston, are, Houston have the worst record in the league, and they also have the second hardest schedule for the rest of the season. That's, so, that's I think they're going to. I think they're going to stay there. Um, it would be yeah. a kick. Be a kick for them if they um, dropped to the bottom, and then the weird lottery odds meant they still didn't keep their top four protected pick because the Thunder could potentially have two top five picks, even though they've been solid all year. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Right. Okay. Next group of teams, playing teams, are the Grizzlies, Spurs, Warriors, Hornets, Pacers, Bulls, Raptors, Wizards. So a bit more clarity in the West than there is in the East. We have Golden State on, where am I? I'm on the wrong page. We have Golden State, 29 wins, New Orleans, um, sorry, San Antonio, 29, Memphis, 29. Dallas 32, a little bit more space there. Yeah. Obviously. Um, but who have you got? Well, I think we should probably mention at this point that technically Dallas are a play-in team, but when we ran through this list of tiers, we decided it wasn't particularly fair to list Dallas as such because they're just obviously they're just same record as the Trailblazers above yeah. them, so like could yeah. make it out. I think that'd be more fun. Yeah. Um that that would be cool. But I think I think the play, the playing teams to break it down really simply. Who do you want to see make the final two spots out of the teams that are kind of in that cluster in the West? Uh, Dallas and I, the Warriors would be a lot of fun just to see Steph have forty for four games and then have a nice summer. Um, <laughs> San Antonio have the hardest schedule left in the whole league, which is yeah, I don't. Tough. I don't think the Spurs are making it, especially without Lamarcus Aldridge's contributions. Shout out to Lamarcus Aldridge, by the way, because I don't think we've talked about him since um, he's been forced into retirement. Yeah, he's not listening to this, but I wish him all the best. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, uh, interestingly, Portland have a really tough schedule the rest of the way, and Dallas have the second easiest. So I could see yeah. Dallas moving up into six, Portland going into seven. That'll be fun. Yeah. I, I'm Portland, not sure. Golden State. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm not sure where I stand with any of this because I actually think that we could potentially end up with seven and eight teams that are really bad matchups for the one and two. Like, yeah. It, in the scenario you just said, it's potentially that Portland could go from being six to they could drop seven, lose their game to the Warriors, and then get the eighth spot, for example. And that yeah. would leave Utah to have Damian Lillard in the foot. And granted, Portland haven't been great this season and have been a little bit underwhelming, I think. But yeah, it's you would. I think if you're Utah, you're probably not thrilled about the fact that the best player in the series is on the other team straight out of the gate. Yeah, that's that's tough. It's but like you do all this to get to the number yeah. one and then it's like oh cool dim he doesn't like revel in these situations <laughs> yeah, like exactly. just getting the one and then it's i don't know if you like the action movie where a guy like bursts through a door and he's covered in blood he's already <laughs> been in a fight and you're yeah. like oh, this is bad news like dim's already had to beat people to get here and he's yeah. pissed off already like <laughs> that's, that's a lot of fun but like yeah then in, then in seven right now like um, or sorry, them in like if they I misspoke there, like if if they go to seven, like 
them against Phoenix isn't good yeah. news either. Like, no. Uh, hey, Devin Booker, defend someone. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I um, I had this conversation the other day because Ben Fox messages me every time Dallas win or lose, trying to get like a long term projection of what he thinks this will mean for the playoffs and i generally just make up responses and throw them back because what you have to do is send them to the basketballreference.com projected standings okay i'll do that which i have in front of me which 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 are fun that does help um but yeah my kind of bit of reasoning with him is i just talking about dallas kind of i guess it is semi-applicable to portland as well but if i was dallas i actually think the softest matchups in the West are Phoenix, Denver, and Portland in some order, because I think Phoenix are talented but unproven. Um, and yeah, if I was like, if I was Dallas, I'd way rather go up against Phoenix than either Denver or Portland, because I think even if you have Luca in the picture, there's a good chance that Denver or Portland have the best player in the series, at least for some number of games where I don't think Phoenix have that kind of top end. This guy might just carry the series by himself, unless Devin Booker really proves he can do it. Uh, or Chris yeah. Paul infuriates people into wanting to just give up. I love Chris Paul with all my heart. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a thing, I think the thing is, like, any of these teams right now will probably be like, hey, give me Denver. Like, yes. Yeah. We'll figure Jokic out, and the rest of you guys can do whatever you want. Like... Um, like I don't know. Like I'm looking at the Lakers, probably ending up in fifth against Denver in four, and it's like that's so tough. Like you're yeah. one of the best teams in the league all season. Your second best player, like breaks his knee, like just bust his knee completely. The Lakers have just been like injured all year, so they've been coasting. So you drop a little tiny bit and you fall into the Lakers' lap. Yeah. They get their two best players back. You don't. Yeah, like it's... that's just. Awful. Apparently, also, apparently, Will Barton's out as well now. I've just seen a notification. Yeah, I've not read into it. Yeah, he, so, he is apparently for a little bit. That's rough. Um, yeah. so, what I really want is the Lakers to drop far enough to play Phoenix in the first round, so Chris Paul finally does something yeah. this good, and then it's like, hey, LeBron, no worries. <laughs> but, like, who do they have to defend LeBron? No one. Uh, Mikel Bridges is good, but he's it's... a little small. Mm. Considering that when LeBron was with the Cavs, they they were keen to chart up that OG Ananobi might be the next LeBron guy. I don't think it's... I think you at least have to give Mikael Bridges that level of benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. Oh, yeah. And also, like, he's your three. So, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to give it a go. Logic would dictate. Um, yeah, my I think that kind of sums up the West playing picture was that Utah and Phoenix have gone so much harder all year than the LA teams who were like the presumed favorites. And it was, I don't think it's quite in that alignment now because I think the Lakers will stay out of the playing tournament at this point, but there was a real chance that their reward for having made it to the top all year was going to be some selection of either LeBron and AD, um, Luca and KP, Dame and CJ or Steph and no one. And then, like, yeah, Jamarant Jar- loitering on the outside is like, oh, Jamarant might be the easy option. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, oh, man, I'd like I, nearly, to... I nearly bought a Jar jersey yesterday. I did, did not in the end. But... I really want a Justice Winslow jersey, but they don't sell them because no one apart from me cares about him. Yeah. What I've been, what I like went to the shop to get yesterday was a Phoenix jersey, and they had like three racks of like, Two NBA jerseys for each team, and not a single Phoenix jersey. Oh, right. um, or like, and then I nearly bought um, you know, the Utah Jazz one that's like navy, and then it fades to like orange yeah. at the top. Yeah. Nearly bought that one. Did you um, buy one in the end? Uh, no, I bought the black Toronto Raptors shorts with like the gold. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was talking to Anna about it, and I was like, hey. Um, bought these shorts what do you think tell me you like them or don't say anything <laughs> just like silence and i was like oh i like them fair enough but um but no I, i've been talking about it for a while but like i think if i got a jazz jersey i would have to get joe engels but i couldn't walk around in spain with the word english written on my yeah. back <laughs> i never thought that. that's a good one shall we 
um, jump to play in in the East because that whole situation is a mess. Okay, so we have currently, as of last night, when I screenshotted these, Miami in seven, Charlotte in eight, Pacers nine, Wizards ten. Um, uh, you put the Bulls and the Raptors in there, eleven and twelve. So that is Miami, 31 wins, Charlotte, 28, Indiana, 27, Washington, 25, Chicago, 25, Toronto, 25. Man, the Raptors making it in after all of this would be so much fun. That would be awesome. I'm, um, I'm reading Nick Nurse's book at the moment. Oh, uh, that's cool. And he like talks about the inner workings of that title team and like the level of detail that it takes to make everything work. And he obviously wrote this... I guess last year at some point, because um, it's all like post the title team and stuff. And I wonder if he, I wonder if he like has a copy of his own book, and he's now looking back at the like preparations of the title team, and be like, oh, things were so much easier when we just had egos to balance rather than people being bad. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's like looking over and see he's left a book open while he's like gone to the bathroom or something. And it's like, he's annotating this book. I wonder what it is. And he's taking notes on his own experience of winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So what, what do you think? What do you think happens? What do you think shakes out? So the, I kind of, I think this is potentially the trickle down effects of the East um, playing might weirdly be really important to the playoff picture because I remain convinced that Miami, when it comes to playoff time, are probably the fourth best team in the East. Yeah. And the fact that they're in seven right now means that whoever is the two seed. So Brooklyn. I think I think the two seed is Brooklyn right now. Yeah. Potentially, if the standings above them don't shift around, Brooklyn might have to go Miami in the first round, Milwaukee in the second round, Philly in the third round. Meanwhile, yeah. Philly would have to play I think who's eighth at the moment? Charlotte. Charlotte. So Philly are going to bulldoze Charlotte because Charlotte's centers are Cody Zeller and Bismarck Biombo. Yes. Um, and then they're going to play some selection of Atlanta, New York, or Boston in yeah. the second round. Boston will be fun. Like, mm, yeah. it won't be good, but it'll yeah. be fun. Like, they've been really underwhelming this year, but it's like, I don't know. They Brad got play- Stevens will throw some weird stuff at them at least. Yeah, they got playoff guys. Um, yeah. I actually think the Knicks would potentially be the series that Philly would be least excited about because they're just kind of, it would be irritating to them more than anything. But I think there's a real difference, and we'll get into this in the contenders obviously, but I think the Miami portion of the play-in tournament potentially means that out of the two top teams in the East, one of them is going to have a real difficult schedule to get to the other one, and the other one's going to have two relatively incompetitive rounds. So, yeah, basically, my I mean, you could say the same thing if Miami falls to eight as well, is that's an unnecessarily hard round for whoever finishes first. Uh, this is assuming that Miami's any good, which they haven't overly proven themselves to be so far, but they look no, like No, but I think be. it's... It's what I said about Boston as well. It's like they've got some good players and they're well coached enough that it's like they're not just gonna like Charlotte are just like, hey, we're happy to be here. Code yeah. four zero, have a nice time. <laughs> and Kun on three. But Miami will want that and will probably like Miami will take a first round series to at least five hard games. Yeah. If not six. Like and you just you don't want that. Like you wanna like you want to do the yeah, thing that LeBron LeBron did in the East back in the day, where it was like chill, 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 chill. Oh God, are they going to be ready for the playoffs? Four zero against the yeah. <laughs> like when people are like, are the Atlanta Hawks gonna? No, they're not. <laughs> like yeah. get out of my face. Like yeah. you want you want to be able to do that, especially if you're Philadelphia. You kind of want to rest some of your like Embiid. You could do with him not being tired. Yeah. That's been a problem for and the Brooklyn Nets are the same. Like they've got a bunch of guys that haven't played together more than like three games because they're all trying to chill. Like, yeah, if you can get another week and a half of chilling, and you can steamroll the teams so that you don't have to travel as much. Yeah, they're obviously so, going to be dying for that. So if we're going to assume that Miami finishes seventh or above, that means that the eighth spot is therefore taken between the teams we listed which is Hornets, Pacers, Bulls, Raptors, Wizards 
who's getting in and are any of the top teams bothered about it or are they just going to show up to their arena and beat them twice and then go there and beat them twice? I think I think a Cheekside kind of how it is, except I think the Raptors might make their way up a little bit because they've got a really easy schedule for the rest of the time. So I'd maybe go Charlotte, Indiana, Toronto. Yeah, that's and then right. how does the how does the play in tournament work again? Like I, I So the play in is seven plays eight. Yes. Winner gets seven, no questions asked. Yeah. Um nine plays ten, and winner of that gets the right to play the loser of the seven eight game for the eighth spot. So Okay. I, I could see Toronto or Indiana beating Charlotte when they lose to Miami, if it stays the yeah. way it is, yeah, which that... is a lot of fun. Just yeah. all of a sudden, like Philadelphia, I know Toronto aren't the team they have been before, but like Philadelphia having had a couple of years of like Toronto and them being near the top of the Eastern Conference and then the next year Toronto coming into the eight being like, surprise, yeah. yes, he's back. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah, I get that. Um, I've, I was really high on the paces to start the year and they've just dropped off. I yeah. have have no confidence in them doing anything if they do get into the playoffs, but I would like to see them get there because I don't know. I root for that team for some unexplained reason because they're like uh, they were average and fun for a very long time, and that's what you like in a basketball team. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. That is exactly it. I like average, fun, and starless. For- for some reason, I seem to like teams where all five guys are within like 10% of being as good as each other. <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter whether that means they're actually good or whether they're all terrible, but roughly equal. Yeah, you don't care whether it's 0 to 10% or 80 to 90% yeah, exactly. of like the best player in the world. You just want to see, you <laughs> want to see like good units. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I think that does it for the play-in. It's... The, the Wizards are the last thing because they have been anonymous all year, basically. Um, they started out like 0-5 and five and everyone wrote them off. I don't think I've watched a Wizards game since then. Um, um, and they've just kind I of remember charged. someone being like, hey, the Wizards are on a push. You need to go and watch them. I watched it once and was like, I don't need to see this. Like, <laughs> Russ is doing the same sort of stuff, kind of, and it's going in a little bit more. He's like, maybe a little bit healthier but like I, i've seen it like I've, I've heard this song before like yeah i I'm, think i'm good russ kind of has the Giannis thing now where it's like however impressive his regular season exploits are nobody's worried about playing in the playoffs because it doesn't translate and that seems to ring especially true when his regular season is less impressive than usual nobody's been yes. like oh well he might still turn it on in the playoffs because he's never done that no. And not never. Okay. He, he's never done that since he was on Kevin Durant's team. Yeah. Okay, we're getting to the good stuff then. We so half an hour in getting to the good stuff. <laughs> what do you think? Have we got about 54 minutes in us? I think so, yeah. That sounds about bang on. Um so yeah, playoff locks, Nuggets, Blazers, Mavericks in the West, Celtics, Heat, who we've obviously talked about in the playoff in the play-in category, but we think they're going to make it, so they're a lot for us. Um, Hawks and New York Knicks, bizarrely. Watch watch we hit first with this. Um, The fact that Julius Randle will get like a triple-double and he'll... I saw someone tweet about him saying he plays like a tired dad. (laughs) Like he's like, goes, gets a triple-double, wins eight in a row for like the first good New York team in eight years and yeah. like then looks like he has to go back and like clean the kitchen and put his kids to bed <laughs> which i think he, like i think he has kids like yeah so good. he is probably do, a tired dad do you know <laughs> but like whatever do you know how old julius randall is 27 he's 26 he's the same age as us i think his birthday is like days apart from mine wow it's like when, when does my growth spurt hit man look at the size of that guy um, he looks fatigued. <laughs> he plays like forty-four minutes a game. That's why. Yeah, like he's he's on the Tom Thibodeau highway to injury. Like, yeah. right now, like I say, he looks tired. He's played like 
how many games already? Like how many games? Like sixty. Yeah. Like he's played sixty basketball games since Christmas. Like he's tired. Yeah. Sixty but, games of no no less than forty minutes at any given point. Yeah, it's like they're kind of. Tom Thibodeau is modernizing ever so slightly, but like the things he's consistently good at are like their defense is great, and he'll like put guys in a decent position, no matter what that position yeah. is like. If you're good at something, he'll try and put you there. And like, that's like, I don't know. I've watched a couple of the games and they're like running some fun stuff and they're like scoring and they're very like, okay, Julius Randall, you, we run this stuff for you. And then you move over into your second lineup and it's like, Hey, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson pick and rolls. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> weird, but fine. Well, like the good old days of both Chicago and Minnesota five years later. Um, yeah. Super weird, but. They're fine. It's bizarre, isn't it? That's well, where I wanted to start. What I think is it is interesting about the middle of the East playoff picture is that both the Knicks and the Hawks this year screamed to me ceiling of a four or five seed and out in the first round. And that's probably going to be true for one of them, but it can't be true for both if they play each other. So one of them is going to get to the second round probably just by the way the brackets break. Um, yeah. And- whichever of those teams gets the second round, I think would do well to win one game against an actual good team. Yeah. Um, Once again, leaning very heavily on strength of schedule stuff. Um, New York have got a tough run for the rest of the way. Um, The Hawks, eh, not so much. Boston have got it really easy, so I could see Boston actually moving up into four, which would be kind of what people thought yeah at the start and the projected standings also have boston in four but not by much so like i could see that basically what i'm saying is i could see the Knicks dropping off because i don't think they're actually a quality basketball team but Knicks against milwaukee would just be like i think that series might be like mercy ruled after three games yeah it'd just be like tom bibido throwing the ball to julius randall for 47 minutes a game. I needed yeah. said 48 and then I lowered <laughs> my expectations and then trying to get him to stop Giannis one-on-one on the other end. Although like Tom Thibodeau being pretty good at like being, being the father of loading up defenses yeah. on the strong side, like they might figure something out, but they don't really have enough, obviously. Yeah. They probably it'd like, it'd be like nice to see a team try some weird stuff to maybe give yeah. some other teams some good ideas later on in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think probably the most dangerous thing for the Knicks, if they were to land Milwaukee in the second round, is they, or in the first round, sorry, is that they would... Aren't good. Well, they're not good, but Julius Randle would probably remain convinced he was the best player in that series. <laughs> There'd probably be no one to tell him otherwise. Yeah. So... Yeah, it would just be like him and him and Giannis like mirror image each other. One guy comes down to one end, pounds the ball at the top of the key for a bit, and throws himself into five bodies. And then Julius Randall's like, "Hey, cool, that worked for him." And he's going to walk down the other end, pound the ball for a bit, and hurl himself into five bodies on that end. It'll just be so that. The difference is Giannis will emerge victorious from those pile of bodies and yeah. dunk the basketball, whereas Julius Randle will have to put some nonsense up. Yeah. We sound like we're giving Julius Randle a hard time here. He's actually been really good all year. There's not really much arguing with that. I just yeah, think I just I just think it's an aberration. Like I just don't think it's like yeah, I don't I, think it's gonna stay. No, I even if it does stay, I think we're witnessing the best a team could possibly be with Julius Randle as their best player. And that is like interesting. Mid, mid, middle of the standings might take a game off someone and then we'll go home for the summer. Right. Yeah. Should we head West? Okay. So playoff locks um, in the West, we have the Nuggets, the Blazers and the Mavericks. We we do this? this is to say that the, 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 the the division above is contenders, so we're not saying that like the Clippers aren't playoff locks. Yeah. <laughs> aren't playoff lock. Um yeah. okay, so Nuggets, Nuggets, Blazers, Mavericks. Um yeah, it's super weird because like looking at the standings right now, like I was like, what's the team in the middle of all of it? It's like the Lakers. Yeah. So that's that's the big that's that's the shark in the water there, isn't it? That's what you're trying to what you're trying to stay away from. 
Yeah. And I don't know how much jockeying anyone can actually do because the Nuggets are four games behind third and three games ahead of the Lakers. They're six games ahead of sixth. So there's no... Yeah. Like, I don't think you can drop to get away from them and it's really hard to move up to get away from them because the Clippers... This is going to make the Clippers push to move up rather than down. Um, yeah, I would say so. So, what have you got? What are you? What What's interesting about this? Um, the Nuggets thing, I don't remember being. I don't think we've recorded and talked uh, NBA stuff since Jamal's injury. I no. don't ever remember. I didn't realize how attached to the Nuggets I was post Aaron Gordon trade until the Jamal Murray news came out, and I just felt like I'd been punched in the stomach because I. I think I'd convinced myself subconsciously that the Nuggets had a real another playoff run in them like they did last year. And I was looking forward to them upsetting somebody, particularly if it was going to be the Lakers in the first round. Um, yeah. Needless to say, like you said, with the seeding and the games behind and stuff, they're not dropping it out of the playoffs, but they are going to have, even if they somehow don't land the Lakers, they would have a job beating anybody in the first round, given the current circumstances, I think. But is there a world where Jokic goes nuts enough that they scare somebody in the first round? Because if so, I think that might be a win. Or if Michael Porter becomes full Tracy McGrady. Um, I think I think Jokic can scare the Lakers in that they don't have anyone that can really stop him because that person isn't like doesn't exist. Yeah, like AD is pretty. Well, they they got Andre Drummond now. Yeah, Andre Drummond <laughs> has not been horrendous, which is the worst thing. Like yeah. that's the one thing I will talk about with the Lakers, but um, we'll save that for a bit later. But they just like AD will do as good a job as anyone, but like AD is still a little lighter and a little smaller than him, and that is also to say that no one stops a certain level of offensive talent. Yeah. So it would be a lot of fun just watching him like going full only good player on a junior league wheelchair basketball team where he's just like got the ball in his hands and he's just telling everyone where to go and what to do it's just like you get there i will find you i was watching a video on uh have you seen thinking basketball on youtube yeah and they do like the greatest offensive peaks they did a video on Jokic yesterday and there was one pass in particular that i like screen grabbed and was meant to send to you because it's like (laughs) just one of those like this guy doesn't know he's open the guy who he passes it past doesn't know that someone behind him might be open. Like yeah. it just like someone cutting through the baseline, he's on the block and he just like throws it past the defender's head. Yeah. That looks like it's going out of bounds. It's like, oh, that's a layup. So it'll be fun to watch him do that before games against anyone, but I just think it'll be against the Lakers and yeah. no one's staying in front of LeBron, no one's staying in front of AD. Yeah. Um, it's tough. my my theory on the Nuggets beating the Lakers was that if you watch the Nuggets games from um, last playoffs, teams were defending the Jokic and Murray two-man game with just their two best defenders, regardless of size. Like when yeah. Kawhi and Paul George just switched the Jokic and Murray two-man game because Jokic probably doesn't want to post up Kawhi. No. Um, obviously, that didn't work out great for the Clippers in the long run, but... He can. Um, That's the thing. Like Jokic is every so often he's like a finesse guy, but then like every so often he'll just be like, "Oh yeah, I can just go through this person." Like yeah. I don't yeah. need to go around them. Like yeah. And um, so my theory was that they were get that if the Lakers went LeBron and AD just guarding two for two, Murray and Jokic, you're going to mm-hmm. leave Dennis Schroeder, KCP, and then either Andre Drummond or Alex Caruso or somebody else with like Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon and whoever else crashing the kind of playing behind them. Um, and that's, that was Denver's massive advantage and it just doesn't work without Murray playing. Cause as much yeah. as I, as much as I love Campazzo with my whole being, he's not Jamal Murray. No, he is not. He's about a foot smaller. He is. From a start. He, I've never seen anyone at a physical disadvantage play like he did against John Morant the other night though he was like hanging off his ankles it was absolutely ridiculous it was like, like being attacked by a small dog but he's, he's just like what I lack in 
athleticism I will make up in just really, really trying to win. <laughs> and it's like that shouldn't go very far, but it really does. It shouldn't. Also, if you watch him closely, I think it is obviously his first NBA season, but Campazzo might be the single best teammate in the NBA. He's yeah. They run like second unit stuff, and they, uh, the play I watched, they came down like four on three. He just ran to the corner, didn't touch the ball, and there was like two swing passes and open three, and they made it. And he was fist pumping in the corner as if he'd just made the game winner. And it's like, oh, oh man, they're like former Euroleague MVP playing kind of second string minutes, and he, yeah. he's like, this is great. We just scored a basket. Go us. Um. But yeah, so we've gone on about Denver a good bit there, but they're, pro- <laughs> they're probably not going anywhere. Um, no. Mavericks and Blazers, are they? Do they have it in them to get an upset? I think is the, regardless of seeding, do they have it in them to shock somebody first round? Uh, Dallas pick it up to six, and then they play the Clippers game. I think the Clippers might get a little tight. And that'd be a lot of fun. Just being be. like, ah, oh, this guy again. <laughs> I I would absolutely love that so much. That'd be my favorite thing yeah. in the world. Just do, do we have a Jordan versus um late eighties, early nineties Pistons situation with Luca and the Clippers? Not yet. I don't think. That'd, um, that'd be a cool development. That'd be super fun. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't think they have enough to actually trouble them. I think the Clippers are better than they were last year as well. Um, but it would be fun, and Luca would probably win two games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do the Mavericks have it in them to beat Phoenix? I think is probably. Is it worth them just sticking to the seven seed and seeing if they can take Phoenix? Yeah, I think so. Like that would be the one thing I would say about these tiers is like, I intentionally wanted to just talk about it on the podcast. Like I. Yeah. The Suns are, the Suns are great, but I could see, see anyone in the bottom half just showing up and yeah. I think four times. I think the Suns are great and have been great all year, but don't necessarily have another level in them, and I that worries me. Although the Suns have picked up a little bit, and they've kind of well picked up. They've been great all year, but they have had a string of convincing wins against good teams, so maybe we're still underrating them, bizarrely. Yeah. The one thing about them not having another level is if you if you get Chris Paul close enough in a playoff game, yeah, he will find another level. Like, he's done that a couple of times already. Like, we were talking about that game against Utah in the podcast with Mendel, and it's like, this is this is great. Like you've just got Chris Paul in the mid range with two minutes to go, like yeah. just operating and then being horrible on the other end. Like yeah, that's Chris- that's their chance. Like I would love nothing more than actually Dallas against Phoenix. Like that'd be yeah. so much fun. Rather than the Clippers stuff, I think that'd be amazing. Cool uh, Blazers. I think we only have to touch on. I've not seen enough from them all year as hard as I've squinted to try and see it. Um, their defense sucks, man. I, I can't see past it anymore. They're, they're just going to get obliterated by the Clippers if they play them in the first round. Yeah, they downgraded on offense to get better on defense by signing wings who won't stop anyone. Yeah. So, like... Tough call. They signed Robert Covington, but they should have tried to sign Robert Covington for, like some picks and some cash considerations and a time machine because <laughs> like he's like they, they they need five years ago Robert Covington yeah, really like yeah they need nothing they need post process cover don't they yeah right. which is tough but so, yeah yeah I, know, I could see them losing to either Phoenix or Clippers in like five yeah sorry Portland okay contenders let's do it okay contenders we have the Lakers the Clippers the Nets the Sixers the Jazz the Suns and the Bucks in no particular order, or maybe in particular order. Mark wrote this. <laughs> no, that I went kind of the teams in the order I thought of them. Um, yeah, so I think this has been true mostly for the whole season. Um, I think the Suns, the Suns and Jazz are obviously the surprising additions to the party, but they belong here based on a season's worth of work. Um. The Sixers, I've watched a fair few games of recently, and 
I think they are far more scary than anybody else in this list as of right now, uh, given the current state of the Lakers and the Nets. But sure. I can be, uh, I could be talked out of the Sixers on a couple of fronts. I don't see anyone having separated themselves by being like, hey, we're just going to win 12 games in a row and everyone's going to decide we're the favorites now, which is funny because the Jazz did that earlier this season and everyone seems to have forgotten about it. Yeah, I think everyone's like, hey, that's very couple of years ago, 60 win Atlanta Hawks. And it's, I don't think it's the same because they didn't have anyone nearly Donovan Mitchell-esque. And also... The thing with the Jazz is just I'm very excited to see if they can get into a playoff game with a real team um, who's playing good defense and still shoot a half of their shots from three and yeah. make half of them. Like, they shoot 40% of their shots from three and they shoot 40% on those. And, like, that's obviously going to drop a little bit in terms of percentage maybe when it when it gets down to a bit of a grind. But I want I really, really want to see it against a good team four games in a row and to see, like... I don't know, say they come up against the Lakers in the second round. Like, Greg Vogel's a really good defensive coach. He's proven that with a good team, and then he's proven it more recently with a bunch of absolute losers that he can <laughs> get them to defend. And I just, I want to see how teams, how teams come out and go, like LeBron will do the thing where he's like, this isn't a real challenge. Like, you're the one seed, but I don't get, like, I just, I want to see LeBron being like, hey, Utah, come on, man. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I want, but also I love them and I think they're great. So if if they manage to do it, I'd be like, this is class. Yeah, I I think it's kind of it almost disillusions you as an NBA fan to some extent because it's becoming more common that teams can have great regular seasons and then for whatever weaknesses exist that they've been able to cover up, they're just proven to not be a viable playoff team. And I get that stink with the Jazz and the Suns more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I would really like it if they came up against one of the more favoured teams, like a Suns Clippers second round. If that went to game seven, I don't think I would have any faith in the Clippers at that point because they've not proven anything since they've put yeah. this team together. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the East is kind of the more interesting side of it because there's three teams in the East that are clearly better than everybody else in that conference. And we chatted about this a little bit yesterday, but basically whoever gets the top seed is going to have the luxury of letting the other two good teams, you know, settle their differences and watch from afar after having beaten the Knicks. So out of the Nets, Sixers, you mean the Celtics? Well, yeah. Um, After... Sorry, out of the Nets, the Sixers, and the Bucks, how do you see that kind of brackets battle playing out? Um, Nets, Sixers, Bucks. So, I, I don't know. I, I still think the Brooklyn Nets are going to just score 140 on everyone and win a championship, probably. But like having guys to try and stop. Giannis, Middleton, and Drew to a certain extent, like to, to a lesser extent, is going to be tough. But like, it's just whether they can outscore them yeah. when it comes to it. And then I could, I could see Brooklyn beating Philly easier than Milwaukee would because I don't yeah. know. No one's going to stop Joel Embiid, but also no one's going to stop three guys on the other side. Like, yeah. I, th- it's, I think it's, Philly... It's kind of that. Philly potentially have that option where they can go... Philly could potentially trot out like a defense-first lineup and go Ben Simmons takes KD, uh, Tybal takes one of Kyrie and Harden, and then they put, I don't know, Shake Milton or whoever else on the other one, and then Embiid and Tobias Harris just for kind of size and skill a little bit. But I don't know if that compromises Philly beyond the point of benefiting them. Yeah, I don't know. Then that'll be interesting to see if they're really just like, okay, so what we're going to do in the other end is we're going to throw the ball to the Joel Embiid. And what do you mean, and? Like, yeah. <laughs> we're going to throw the ball to Joel Embiid. And it's like, I, I want to see that because I want to see how a team that doesn't... Have, it's the Jokic thing where it's like, you can't defend them with one person anyway, so yeah. fine. But it's just... 
do you need to keep enough guys on the floor that can punish you when you double off them? Yeah. Like that'll be fascinating, basically. Yeah. Um Milwaukee, if they got there, would be pretty well equipped to kind of yeah. deal with that because uh, they're big and long and they try not to give anything up at the bucket. And but it's just whether you want to see teams that are well equipped to defend each other or whether you want to see teams that have no chance of stopping yeah. each other so are just gunning for six games. Yeah. The um the Bucks thing, I think one thing people have potentially forgotten about is that the last time Drew Holiday was in a playoff series was that upset sweep of the Trailblazers when he was with the Pelicans. And yeah. he single handedly he like put Damian Lillard in handcuffs, a straight jacket, and then rolled him up in a carpet and threw him off a bridge. And it's like <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's been long enough that people have forgotten about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of the Nets guys is just completely taken to pieces by Drew and then they have to figure it out on the fly. Um, Very quick question. What is with the Nets PR side of things? Because they've had their key guys around for precisely zero games together, it feels like. And everyone is still just convinced that they're going to figure it out. Whereas... The Clippers had the same thing last year and everyone was super skeptical and was like, oh, well, we'll see if they can do it. They keep promising us they'll click at playoff time. And nobody bought it with last year's Clippers. And it's exactly the same with this year's Nets. And no one seems at all put off by this. Um, I think I think those three guys have more offensive talent than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I think... The other thing is they're but, not pretending that they're going to defend anyone. <laughs> they're yeah, just like, we're going gonna... like, to... I think it's just... A part of it is seeing them all play together for the first game and they just actually did score 150. Yeah, like, that's, that's the, the, the first little run that they had, they were, like, historically the best offense of all time and, like, actually historically the worst defense of all time, yeah. which is, like, <laughs> like, it sounds like something I'm making up. But, I don't know, that stuff... That stuff gets really interesting when you look at the matchups there. One question, if Boston make the forward, do they give Philly any trouble? Nope. I know we kind of spoke about it, but no, none? No. Joel Embiid, after that sweep last year, every time he's played Boston this year, has made a specific point of being like, hey, this isn't happening again. And they got a couple of centers in the trade and then waived Mo Wagner, so their center rotation is now... Um, Robert Williams, Luke Cornett, and Jabari Parker. So have fun against Embiid on that one. Um, yeah. One very quick last point with the Nets. They pulled Mike James out of Europe because he got thrown out of CSK in Moscow because he tried to fight somebody who looked like a Greek god. And Legend. he's the leading scorer of the entire Euro League at the time he got banned. And mm-hmm. Every nobody is outraged about this because nobody knows who he is, and it's like people were outraged they got Lamarcus Aldridge's actual near corpse, and wow. yet nobody's worried that they pulled this guy who's the best player in Europe all season. But it's just people not watching the. I mean, I've only joined to watching the Euroleague this season, so I'm not being holier than thou. Um, no. But yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, he's going to be good. I think he played last night. Steve Nash was like, "I haven't met him, but we're going to play. We're going to play him." <laughs> um, He's like budget Fred Van Vliet, I think. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, that do it. Yeah, I think that wraps up. We're going to get this released. And then, yeah, we've got a guest coming up early next week. And we won't spoil who it is, but all I will say is it's a man whose granny invented the apple. So have fun with that. We'll catch you in a bit.